Psalm 71. The passage that we, we read there last week, we gave our attention to the beginning of that psalm from verse 1 down to verse mark 12, uh, verse mark 11. And tonight we'll, we'll follow on from there. We'll start at verse 12 and take that small section um, from 12 to 16. And last week, as, as we came to this psalm, we, we, we saw that the, the psalmist's undergirding faith uh, underneath all these words. His, his faith was underneath it, his faith in the Lord. He was holding fast to God in the midst of this great affliction, whatever it was, and the attacks of the devil. And it's as if when we read through these words, we heard these personal expressions that he had, his cry to his Lord, his rock and his refuge, to protect him, to rescue him, to save him. And we, we give our mind to three points of his, his vision. He looked to God, he looked also to himself, and he looked to the situation around him, which, which are all aspects that we should be mindful of as, as believers. Uh, who we are to others, who we are within ourselves and, and who we are before God, primarily with our attention to our God and our Lord, Jesus Christ. And last week, we also mentioned that when generally, when you come to the Psalms, it is believed the main point is found within the middle of the Psalms. And this is a, this is a section we come to tonight from verse Mark 12 to 16. And there's, there's, there's wonderful words in this in this section, and, and words that we're maybe more familiar with in the Scottish Psalter rendering of it. If verse 14 has the words, but with expectation I will hope continually. And verse 16 is, and I will constantly go on in strength of God the Lord. These, these words are, are well known to us, and they speak of faith. In general, and holding on to God and constantly remaining with Him and clinging to Him when things are rough, as if we're in the roughest of seas, and holding on to this one rope, as it were. When there's no, there's no signs of dry land. There's no signs of hope, and the evil forces suppress us. These waves keep battering us. And it's relentless. They come and they come and they come and we feel beaten. This was the psalmist's cry in a sense. He's feeling as if his strength is spent. He's got, he's got nothing left to give. He's, he's running on empty. And he's crying out to his Lord in his need. And as we saw his personal faith in the psalm, clinging on, we saw that the greater faithfulness of his Lord, that God was so faithful to him, that was his assurance in his own faith, to cling on because of God's faithfulness through the years, the years as he had gone on, God who had been with him, his Lord, as we saw in Isaiah, he was the Lord's. And he knew he was the Lord. And he knew the Lord had made so many promises to his people and to him. And the Lord had not let him go thus far. And so why would he let go of him now? He's holding on to 
faithfully to the Lord. When everything else, every other offer of salvation is hopeless. But the hope that he has in his Lord is an anchor for his soul, both sure and steadfast, a refuge and a rock to him. Could hold on in that hope. And we can hold on to that hope in the storms that we face in our life too. But as we acknowledge there are many times and days where we feel maintaining that hope and maintaining that faithfulness is, is the most difficult thing. And it's so attractive when we look at the world and the way they live, almost just to be washed away, to let go and to let the waves take us, to let the sweeping movements of the world and go with them. But we know all these things would be in vain. It would be us chasing the wind. It would have no hope within it. And it is like the psalmist in Psalm 73, where, where he, he assessed all these things that the world had. And then when he came back to the Lord's house, he saw the different view on the world. Someone once said that when faithfulness is most difficult, it is most necessary. When faithfulness is most difficult, it is most necessary. That's a very true statement. Faith in God, holding on, will never put us to shame. We will be honoured for having faith in God. We will be honoured by entering into his rest as adopted sons of God for being faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. And in this section from 12 to 16, the writer, composer of this psalm, not entirely sure if it is David or not, but he, he has these three views of God himself and others. But he has a, a particular focus on being close to God, a closeness to God, and a consistency in his faith. Closeness and consistency. Two points that we can use just to guide us as we look at this section from 12 to 16. We begin with closeness. Now you look there at the first verse of our attention, verse 12. Oh God, be not far from me. And then his continued cry, and a more personal cry, oh my God, make haste to help me. Now, even if you were to take these, these few lines on their own, there's, there's a lot in it, and there's a lot we can get from it to understand where the psalmist is coming from. If you take, take it on its own, oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. We can see that he, he desires the presence of God. He also, he does not feel like God is near him. He's calling out to God, be not far from me, but he doesn't know how far away he is. He doesn't, he doesn't feel like God is near him. He's not sure where God is. The third thing that comes from it is that we can see his personal faith in God. Oh, my God. He leans on God in his faith and his trust. And the fourth thing we see is that 
There's an urgency to his need. Make haste to help me. And there are they are all at times truthful elements for the Christian, for ourselves. I'm sure we can associate with with these topics that we've touched on there. But is it surely true that it is one of the greatest desires of the Christian to know the presence of God? to know his closeness to us, to feel his hand, to, to hear his voice and to see his outworking in our lives. His presence to the Christians is a comfort and a joy to each of us. And the believer, they long to be with God. They have this longing to be with him, to, to have that communion restored that we would know something of what it was like for Adam to walk with God in the cool of the day. That it was just something so natural and something so pleasant. And we know that, well, this side of glory, while we live on earth, our communion with God will never be so rich in our experience. For for sin has come into our lives and sin is a great separating element. Sin, in a way, it, produce, it produces maybe a fear of God. Where because of our sin and, and we look at ourselves and we see our sinfulness and we come before this holy God, there's almost a fear within us of what God would do to us of how God would treat us. And you, you kind of hear of that, and as I think it was one of the revival stories from Barbas. They were speaking that the presence of God was so prevalent in the area, and so prevalent with the people. And it's almost like we desire it, but the person was saying, it was a fearful thing to know that God was so close to us. But nevertheless, we, we long for this communion to be restored. It's something that's planted within the believer's hearts to be near to God. And we can remember Paul's words where he says, he is hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart to be with Christ, for that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So there's something in us that wants, we want to see our Saviour. We want to see our Lord. We want to have a restored communion with him, but surely it must be true that as we long for it, so God desires it. God desired to be with his people. God had them build a tabernacle, so he would, we, he would be with them. And that was even taking place as they were creating their own idol at the bottom. And he's giving Moses at the bottom of the mountain and, and he's giving Moses instructions to build a tabernacle so that he could dwell with them. I find, it's, I find that so amazing that God is so gracious to his people and still desires to dwell with his people and draw near to his people even when they are so rebellious and so stiff-necked and maybe we see that in ourselves at times, where we've 
we've gone our own way, we've done the things that we want to do. And we wonder, well, how, how would God ever draw close to me? But he does. And that is the wonder of his grace. Maybe what we can say is that in our experience, it is more like those who walked the Emmaus road. You remember that story from, from the end of Luke. The two men walked and, and whilst they went on their way and they were consumed with the, their worries and their anxieties, they were reasoning out what, was, what had happened in their experience. Who draws right beside them but, but the Lord? The Lord is with them and the Lord walked with them all the way. And their own hearts were put on fire. And they longed that this man would stay with them and sup with them. Uh, but he didn't. It's, it's, it's like that in our experience. We, we long for God. We, maybe we wonder why he's not with us. But unbeknown to us, maybe he's walking right beside us. Maybe he's talking with us through his word. Maybe he is closer than we ever understand him to be. And maybe it's only after that time that we realise just how close he was to us. And he set our heart on fire. And then we realise how gracious he has been to us and how he walked with us and how he talked with us and how he showed us through scripture who he is, revealed these great things to us. It, is, it just promotes praise and wonder within our hearts. How, how, how gracious he is and how loving he is. As we read in Isaiah, I love you. And he is so considerate of the people in that passage. But we, as his people, we, as we said, we, we long for his presence and we long that God would draw near to us. And it's a great, it's a great motivator of our praise. We may be familiar with the hymn, Abide With Me. Abide with me, fast falls the even tide. The darkness deepens, Lord, abide with me, abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. There's so many praises um, within scripture and hymns that have been written desiring the Lord to be with his people, desiring personally that God would be there and would be known. But often we doubt, as we said, that the Lord would be with us. And that was true in the psalmist experience. We saw that last week in verse 9. He said, do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. And we said that, well, even these great men of faith, even these great examples of faith in our lives, personally, the doubts are instilled within them. It is a truth of the Christian that there are doubts within our hearts. And if we were left to our own devices, if we were left to reason things out, if we were to see our sin before a holy and almighty God, we would see our feelings we would see, we would not understand how he would love us, how he would draw near to us. 
because he is so righteous, we are so sinful. It's almost the echo of Psalm 13. But he, he longed for God. Do not forget me. Draw me us to him. He, he was crying out to God, almost as if the Lord had forgotten him. He felt that way. And if and if we are left to our own devices, that's the way we've become. We we feel like God will have left us. But he he doesn't. We come back to the word of God. And he says that he is faithful to those who trust in him. And he loves us. Even when we when we when we walk away, when we do things that are not pleasing to him, and then we come back to him. The prodigal son that left and came back, the father rejoiced to see him. The Lord says to his people, when you pass through water, they will not overwhelm you. Through fire, you shall not be burnt. The Lord is with his people. And though we, we can have doubts in our experience, it's true. It's an undeniable truth that we will doubt and have doubts in our Christian lives. But the word of God, when we come to it, the word of God is so important when we doubt, when we reason that God would never love us, that we come to the word of God that says, I love you. It, it reorientates our minds. It gives us a new understanding. It gives us a different, it gives us an eternal perspective. It changes our view. This is, the word, this is what the word of God does. Almost just what we said in Psalm 73. The psalmist had been seeing the things that the people were doing in the world and wondering why everything was going so well for them. And he was struggling along until he went to the Lord's house where the word would have been read out. And he considered God and he, and he heard of God. His, his view was reorientated to, to view things eternally, not in temporal means. And that, that changes things for us as believers. McShane says that to live near to God all things will appear as little in comparison to eternal realities. All things will appear as little in comparison to eternal realities. We can be so consumed with the little at times, and we focus on the we focus on our own um, what's happening in our lives. We kind of get bogged down in that the difficulties of it, the challenges of it, whatever it may be. The word of God makes us take a step back. View things differently in light of eternal realities, eternal truths, eternal words that the God, Lord has spoken to us. To draw near to God, we all desire it. And the Lord will draw the Lord draws near to his people as well. We see there that in verse 13 that he he addresses his, his accusers so they will be brought to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. They may be covered 
we seek my hurt. And I don't want to really, I don't have time to go into this, but really, he speaks of shame through this psalm, that he would not be put to shame at the beginning. And now he's saying that his accusers would be put to shame. He wants them to feel shame. He wants them to know they've done wrong for all they've done. But he wants them to understand, I believe this is what he is saying. He wants them to see God. He wants them to see the glory of God and what the Lord has done for them. That they would might also know him. And as he, in verse 12, longs that God would not be far from him, come down to verse 16 with me. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. That speaks of drawing near to God or being close to God. But whereas in verse 12 he seeks, he seeks God to come to him. Verse 16 he says, I will come. He constantly declares that he will come. With the mighty deeds of the Lord. For evil seeks to divide us from God. But the strength of God will reunite us with him. He remembers who God is and what he has done for him throughout the years of his life. And he is confident knowing that God's hand is mightier and stronger than the hand of the evil one. And it is in that name and in that power, the Lord his God, that he will come with confidence, remembering who he is and all that his word has taught him. But he will not forsake, forsake him in this time of need. He will draw near to him when he is broken hearted. If he draws near to God, he will draw near to you. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance. Different scriptures there that draw us near and call us to draw near. The Lord will draw near to us. And it is done in mighty deeds. And again, this is true. That it is only by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can come at all. It is through the mighty deeds that he has done for us at Calvary that we have any confidence to come. And his faithfulness to go and give his life for us gives us assurance in our own faith that he loves us. The Christ that was that sacrifice to atone for our sin, to pay for sin, to separate us from sin so that we may be reunited with our God, so that we may come and commune with God again. Christ dealt with that great dividing element. And Christ has restored our communion with God. And it is through his mighty deeds that we can come at all. And we go. We go on. 
we come to him in the strength of the Lord our God. We draw close to God, but we come. We constantly go on. There's a consistency in our lives of coming to God. And we'll just touch on consistency for the time that we have left. Uh, verse 16 of the Psalter is, is maybe the one that we know, and I will constantly go on in strength of, of God the Lord. The wording, it's slightly different. It's quite different, actually, in verse 16 of the uh, the written psalm. But it carries that same emphasis. In the strength and the mighty deeds of the Lord, he will come. And the, the constancy of coming uh, comes through in the, in the psalm. There from, from verse 14 in the, in the central part of the, the central verse of the central part, the main focus I, but I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. The great confidence is evident in his life. I, I will. I will hope continually. His faith in God to deliver him, trusting that God will not put him to shame, and he will not fail him in his promises. I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. And maybe this great resolve, this great faith, this great confidence has been something that over a, a life as he has lived, he looks back now as he comes to old age and he, he says, I will hope continually. The Lord has been with me thus far and the Lord will not forsake me now. The Lord will keep me and protect me as he did in the womb, as we saw last week, when he was so vulnerable and fragile. When he had no strength of himself, the Lord kept him there. And so the Lord shall keep him now when he feels like his, his strength is likewise spent. He will praise him more and more. There's an, an increasing praise in his life. As he, as he grows in age, he grows in faith, he grows in praise of his Lord, consistently praising his Saviour and continually relying on the strength that is given to him, such as you find in Isaiah 40, that those who, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not be faint. Be faint. Waiting and faith upon God. It can be a great test of our faith and the hardest of circumstances. Uh, it can be in the hardest of circumstances. When, as we said, when faithfulness is most difficult, it is most necessary. And in our times when we are feel like we are just holding on, people are going to be looking at us and watching us to see how we react and what we do. Faithfulness, is, faithfulness isn't holding on until it gets bad and then letting go and doing what we want or doing what we think is right. Faithfulness is holding on every day, every hour, all the day and all the hour and all the years, all the time, consistently holding on to the Lord, holding on to all that we 
as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have in his word and his promises, that he has redeemed us and that we hold on to that every day, every year, faithfully, whatever the circumstances for us. And he, he proclaims his mouth, it's, well, it's a, it's a thing of praise more and more and his mouth in verse 15 tells of all these these righteous acts your deeds of salvation all the, the day for their number is past my knowledge it's almost as if as his praise grows more and more his, his cup is overflowing it's, it's just been filled to the top his praise is so abounding that it is i remember an image of that cup overflowing and the, the, the water is making such a noise as it comes over the sides. The faithful's proclamation and, and praise of how their cup has been so filled by the Lord. And the psalmist, well, he's unashamed before his enemies. He feels no shame for trusting. Well, he may feel shame, but he knows that he will ultimately not have shame. Uh, before his enemies. He knows that the Lord will not put him to shame and he knows that the Lord will honour him. And yet at times we acknowledge that there may be an element of shame that we feel um, for trusting in, this, in, in, in our Lord. It, it, it's a truthful thing. But ultimately, when we have that perspective that the word of God gives us, we can see that it, it won't be shame. It will be honour. We need to have that eternal perspective that the word of God brings to us, not to rely on our own understandings. And he has this praise within his heart all the day. He proclaims these things. And this phrase, all the day, it's something that comes through in this psalm three times. Uh, maybe you've maybe not noticed it, maybe you have. It comes through in verse 8. His mouth is filled with praise. And glory all the day. We have it here in, in verse 15. All the day. Proclaiming of his righteous acts. Deeds of salvation all the day. And then we have it there in the, in the final version. Verse 24. My tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day. It's a characteristic of a life of faith. A person who is wholeheartedly holding on to his Lord and knows that his Lord will not forsake him, that he will speak of his Lord all the day and he will continue in his worship of his Lord all the day. He will hope continually, verse 14, the main point of the psalm. It's a continuous thing in his life. And when he thinks about all that the Lord has done for him, all these things that provoke praise in his heart, he comes to realize that, well, for their number is past my knowledge. All your deeds of salvation, I don't grasp them all. I, 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 they're beyond my understanding. 
and and you may know that yourself. I think I've seen it to Fiona that you know when we tell our testimony, we we can go so far, and then it's like we we just don't we how the Lord has worked and why the Lord did the things that He did. We, we do not know, and uh, we're just left in wonder the things that the Lord has done, his, his deeds of salvation, they are beyond, their number is beyond our knowledge. Yes, there are things that we look back and we see, the Lord was with me then, and they here and there, and he guided me here and showed me this, but equally, we don't know exactly when he was there. It's like we're walking the road to Emmaus and we don't know he's there. And we don't even remember that he was there with us. But he was. And he guided us and he showed us the way. And these things that we have no knowledge of. It's just like that footsteps uh, poem. Where they looked back together and the, the two pairs of footsteps, then there was one. And um, he asked why the Lord had left him, but it was that the Lord had carried him. And he, he knew nothing of it, yeah. but the Lord told him. It's, we don't know how close the Lord is to us at times. And we wish we, would, we, wish we knew it. We wish we, we wish we felt that presence of, of walking with God every day. But the reality of the life, Christian life is that it comes and goes. At times, yes, we know it. At times, we don't feel it at all. But nevertheless, whatever we feel, the Lord is with us. The Lord draws close to us, even when we don't realize it. The Lord is often walking with us in our difficulties. As the psalmist here held fast to the Lord. He asked the Lord to draw close to him and he, he declared that he would come. It's, it's, it's almost got a relational element to it. Our, our faith is relational. And the best of relationships are when, when each party longs to see each other. When each, each, each side desires to, to be near again, to talk and commune with one another. Long lost friends or relations. That's what Christ has done for us. He will bring those who have been separated back together. And we shall commune again with our Lord. We draw near to God in worship as we come to him. And we continue to do so. We come to his word to be guided by it. We pray that we would know and be encouraged by feeling his presence with us. And that as we gather together, we may know his blessings coming upon the people. As, as he promises in Psalm 133, where the, where the people gather, he will pour down his, his blessings upon them. So we go on in faith. We may feel like our strength is spent. We may feel like we are running on empty, but we go on. We go on, we go on. Just as Ali was praying, we, 
we step by step, we feel like we're slipping, we feel like we're dragging our heels, we feel like we're walking through sludge, but we go on. We constantly go on with the strength that the Lord gives to us. It's not in our own strength. The Lord strengthens us along the way. And his faithfulness to us is our assurance in our faith as we, as we go on to continue every day. When faithfulness is most difficult, it is most necessary. I think that's something that we should all uh, remember, worth be beneficial for us to remember.